Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to the bonus podcast series called the Wine Free Workweek Challenge. I challenged my email subscribers and followers to a wine-free four days, and we met live every day in a private Facebook group, and I coached them. And these special podcast episodes are the recording of those live Q&A-style coaching calls. We cover the range of topics. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to day one of the Wine Free Workweek Challenge. You guys are a bunch of badasses. And I'm so excited to be here today and show up and answer your questions and give you the support that you're needing for these four days. So I'm super proud of all of you guys for signing up, first of all, committing to the challenge for all four days, taking the pledge, posting your pledges, your signed pledges, and your commitment to going alcohol-free or wine-free for these four days, posting in the Facebook group, reaching out, like sharing your personal struggles and issues around alcohol is no joke, especially with a bunch of people and probably most of you don't know me personally. So um, I just want to tell you that you guys are all amazing right away. So I want you guys to start thinking that you're amazing too right now. Okay. Like most people don't do this stuff. Most people that struggle just kind of continue to struggle along. They don't want to challenge themselves. They don't want to make things better. It's just easier to stay where they are. But you guys are a, a step above that. You guys know that you want better in your lives and you've been inspired at something that I've said or written or listened to, and you decided to come along and do something different. And that alone needs to be commended because there's a lot going on right now, right? <laughs> like a lot of people are just deciding, you know what, I'm just going to drink because I don't want to deal with anything else. And that's not you guys. So you're deciding to do something challenging and you're learning something new in the midst of a lot of other shit that's happening in the world. So bravo to all of you. I'm super proud of you. I'm super happy that you're here. And thank you for trusting me to help guide you through this. It's a true honor and privilege to be able to do that. And I love it. So what I wanted to, you're so welcome, Trisha. Hi, hi, everybody. So the first thing I want to talk about is urges, because I think that is probably the one thing that you guys need support with to get through the evening routine, right? So like you've taken this pledge right? To go wine-free or alcohol-free for four days. And the biggest struggles most of you have is around the evening routine, ending your workday, transitioning from your daytime routine into your evening routine. And I want to help you get through that by giving you some tools to use to manage the urges that you may experience tonight. Okay. So um, first of all, I want to plug my podcast, Stop Over Drinking and Start Living. Amanda, if you're listening here, if you can type in the comments here, the link to my website that has all of my podcasts. So it's angelamasenic.com. And then there's a special tab on my website that has all of my podcasts. There's 94 episodes. There's enough podcasts there that you could like listen for a solid week probably and get a lot of great information. So 
there's podcasts there on urges. Um, I posted one in the in the Facebook group. Amanda, if you could find that one, it's white knuckling versus allowing the urge. If you could find that link to send everybody, but that podcast is a really good place to start to understand what's happening in our brains, in our bodies when we have urges for alcohol, gives a little bit more of a, like the sciencey background about it and different ways you can manage through that. But real quick for today in our Facebook Live, the first thing I want you to do is anticipate that you're going to have urges tonight, right? So just know that, especially if you've been drinking on a nightly basis and you've now decided that you're not going to, you're going to have some urges tonight. That's normal. I don't want you to be scared of it. I want you to anticipate it and then just have some tools. I'm going to tell you here um, that will help you manage them. Okay. So think about what you do at the times where you normally drink and just know that you're going to have some urges there. All right. And then if you do, like you're in that time and you're like in your brain search, you'll notice it probably first that like you might feel a little tightness and then your brain is probably going to kick in and be like, oh, this is where I would normally have a glass of wine or, you know, I really want to have a glass of wine or cocktail or whatever it is. Okay. You might notice like you start thinking about it. All right. So what I want you to do is just pause in that second. Okay. You just take a pause, which means just Stopping whatever you're doing, taking a deep breath and breathing. I know this may sound super simple, but that little pause may be all you need. I want you to kind of scan your body from your head to your toes. Okay. So like notice you're going to notice the thoughts. I want to drink. It'd be nice to have a glass of wine right now. This is when I normally drink. Take a deep breath. And then as you're exhaling, kind of in your mind, just kind of scan your body. Like if, where am I feeling any tension? What does it feel like in my chest? What does it feel like in my shoulders? What does it feel like in my stomach? And just kind of go from head to toe, okay? And just notice when you're scanning your body, you're not thinking about alcohol, okay? You're, you're going into your body and you're thinking about what you're feeling you're having. What is the vibration that you're having in your body at this time? And just notice if you're hung up on any place. Like if you feel like you're shoulders are like crammed into your ears or your chest feels really tight, right? Or you're like really slunched over. Just notice where you're holding on to any tensions in your body, okay? And as you're scanning your body and kind of checking your head and your neck and your shoulders, you're going down. If you notice any tensions there, just open up and breathe into them, okay? And just do that a few times, a few deep cleansing breaths and breathe into the areas in your body where you might be holding on to that. Okay, that's pretty much how you process an urge. Processing an urge is very different than resisting the urge. That's the language that most people use. They're like, I need to resist the urge. I need more willpower. Okay, willpower is not what we use to make permanent changes with alcohol. Willpower is something that we all have, but it's a limited resource that we have that we use throughout the day to do the things that we don't really want to do in our lives. Like, get up and maybe go work out or get up and maybe go to work or make the bed or cook the dinners for the kids or whatever it is, like those kind of mundane tasks that we're not like, oh my God, I'm so excited to do that. We're kind of using a little bit of willpower to do that. It's like, well, this is just what we do. I have to do these things, right? So we tap into our willpower reserves throughout the day. By the end of the day, you know, like our willpower is pretty much exhausted. I mean, you can tap into it a little bit still, but 
um, the urges can sometimes be so overpowering at that point, willpower can't do anything about it, right? That's like people like feel like they're holding their breath. They're like, this sucks. I really want to drink. Oh my God, I just can't. I'm just not going to drink. That's using willpower. And you'll notice that that constriction, that fight takes so much more energy than allowing. Noticing the urge, saying, yeah, I have an urge for alcohol. Nothing's gone wrong here. Of course I have an urge for alcohol. I've been drinking every night, <laughs> right? Like I expected this. Now I'm going to go through and I'm just going to breathe and process and loosen up and let that urge be present. Okay, you want to allow some space for the urge to be there. You don't want to push it down. You don't want to fight it. You don't want to resist it. You definitely don't want to give into it. Okay, giving into that urge and drinking is why you have this urge in the first place. Because you've trained your brain that when you feel this vibration in your body, there's a reward on the other side of it. Okay, so you don't want to give into it. Otherwise, you're just going to keep building this desire and you're not going to reduce this urge and this wants for the alcohol that you have in the first place, okay? So come back to this Facebook Live video, watch me explain this a few times. You wanna take a deeper dive, go listen to the podcast. Amanda did link it here. Um, it's episode number 19. It's called White Knuckling Versus Allowing the Urge. It's about 15 minutes long. Highly recommend that you listen to that, all of you, all right? If, and this is just linked up to my website, it's also on iTunes. You can go search for my podcast on iTunes, Stop Over Drinking and Start Living. It's on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all the podcast players, it's there. So just search for it and then look for white knuckling versus allowing the urge, okay? The next thing I wanna talk about is um, food and alcohol. So many times, and a lot of you guys posted in the Facebook group last night, it's like you've tried to go, you know, maybe 30 days without alcohol or do other sort of alcohol-free challenges and you end up gaining weight <laughs> or not losing weight because you're eating snacks and things to kind of get through those urges in the evenings. We don't want to do that. We don't want to switch. Um, we don't want to switch that um, habit for something else. Okay, so we don't want to train your brain now instead of getting you to go drink alcohol to go get chips or to go get chocolate, right? So you want to really allow those urges to be there and process them through and not turn to food or Facebook or something else to kind of like keep your brain um, from avoiding that feeling that you're having. All right, that's not what you want to do. So I would recommend like if you want to have like a plan or a strategy for yourself for the evenings to support yourself in be, being wine free and not and then switching the habit to food that you you plan to have some, you know, herbal tea or a special drink or something like that to kind of like if you need to put something in your mouth, it's not going to have like a net negative side effect for yourself. Okay. If you want to plan some special treats, I recommend that you do that ahead of time. So like write out in your journal or in your strategies um, place in, in your workbook that you've gotten some treats that you would like to have. But we have to stop making these decisions in the moment. When you make those decisions in the moment, it's because you wanna feel something different than you currently are feeling. So if it's an urge, if it's stress, if it's boredom, if it's anxiety, is it frustration? We use food and alcohol to get out of those feelings, okay? We're thinking our unconscious brain thinks that if we eat food or alcohol or drink alcohol, that we're going to feel something else. It's going to take the edge off. It's going to distract us. We're going to feel a little bit of pleasure. And so it motivates us to do that. 
we don't want to then just put in food there because then you're going to have to solve an overeating problem after you get through the overdrinking problem. Okay. So if you want to have a special treat, if you want to have chocolate or something like that in evenings, that's fine, but just don't make those decisions in the moment. Think about your goals long-term, like what you'd like to do. If there's a lot of you guys in here that want to lose weight too. All right. Think about if those snacks that you're going to eat, want to eat tonight are in alignment with your goals or not. Will they help you lose weight or not? Will chocolate a couple times a week make you gain weight? No, absolutely not. Especially if you're just eating regular portions, right? Will pizza once a week? No, none of that stuff is going to make you gain weight. But if you do it every night or every time you have an urge for those things, yes, then you're going to gain weight, right? So plan for those things ahead of time. Not when you're in the moment with the urges, not when you're in the moment with the want or the feel like having it moment. All right. You want to make those decisions from the higher part of your brain that is engaged with your goals in mind and write them down on a piece of paper and then have them very consciously, very deliberately. Sally, the workbook came if you signed up to join, if you registered to join. So the link that was um, here in the Facebook group when you signed up and you were approved to join the, the group, like if you registered for this, this challenge, if you had registered, then you would have had the, email, the workbook emailed to you. If you didn't register, at this point you can't register anymore, so um, you'll just have to wait for the next challenge, but you're still welcome to follow along, but you can't register at this point. I know Amy, hi Amy Newman. Look at all these amazing people here, right? My gosh, 190 people online right now. This is the largest audience I've ever spoken to online. <laughs> I talk to my podcast every week and there's 10,000 downloads, but it's not live. It's all recorded. Oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. All right, so does that make sense about the food? The other thing I want to tell you about drinking is after this four-week challenge is over, you guys have committed to going alcohol-free for this four days. It's just as a challenge, right? And... Um, but after that, like the one of the, the core concepts that I teach to stop over drinking is that you plan your drinks 24 hours in advance. Okay, so I am a coach that helps women stop over drinking. Um, my main focus is helping the woman who just is in a nightly habit. Um, she probably over drinks on the weekends or out with her friends. Um, you know, maybe it is just binge drinking on the weekend socially or on like a Friday night after a long work week. Sometimes it's a nightly habit. She wouldn't identify it really as an alcoholic. Like she's not physically dependent on alcohol. She's comfortable taking a day or two off without any physical repercussions. Um, she just wants to stop over drinking. She just wants to be able to have a glass or two of wine without overdoing it, without thinking about it all the time, without waking up feeling like shit all the time, all of that stuff. Basically, you want to become, she wants to become unemotionally attached to alcohol. She doesn't feel like she needs it at the end of the day. She can take it or leave it, and it's not occupying so much of her life, okay? So that's who I help the most. Most of my clients just want to break this cycle that you guys are all sharing right now and be able to have it one or two glasses of wine when they go out or on the weekends. So that's where the majority of my clients lay. And what I recommend is that, you know, outside of this four day challenge, if you want to continue working on your over drinking is that you plan your drinks 24 hours in advance. So if you guys are planning to drink on Friday, I want you to make a plan for exactly what that looks like before Friday, write it down, how many drinks, what you're having, 
and the time frame in which you're going to have them in. Again, you want to make decisions from the higher part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, that has your long-term goals in mind. When you make decisions to drink in the moment, that is coming from the primitive part of your brain that just is motivating you to um, seek pleasure, avoid pain, and save energy. It's the motivational triad. And when you answer that call to drink in the moment, it feeds the desire for more. So the next time you have that desire to drink, it's going to be even stronger and even harder to break. It's like you're training your brain that that's what you do over and over and over again. That's why you are here now is because you've made so many in the moment decisions with alcohol that you've trained your brain to really motivate you to get it. And it seems very hard to cut back. So the way we undo that is we stop making in the moment decisions and you only drink if it's been planned 24 hours in advance, thought out intentionally, written down on a piece of paper. You guys got that? Yeah, so like most of you guys all are emotionally attached to alcohol. It's like a lot of people identify with the terms like emotional eating. Uh, the same thing is with alcohol. We drink to solve some sort of feeling. We're drinking to solve boredom, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, loneliness. <laughs> Even when we feel excited, happiness, joy, it's a beautiful day outside. We want to celebrate that. All of that is emotions. And when we choose to make a or choose to drink from that place in the moment, over and over and over again, you develop an emotional attachment for alcohol. Hillary says, I feel like I do make a plan, but once I start consuming drinks, it's hard to shut it off. If I don't start, I'm fine. So give me a little bit more information on that. You said, I feel like I do plan. Are you actually writing out your plan on a piece of paper? I will have three glasses of red wine it, between 6 and, and 9 p.m. on Friday night. Are you doing that? A lot of people think that they're planning. We're like, I, in their head, they just say, I'm going to have two glasses of wine tonight. That's not the same. I'm talking about on Thursday, if you're planning to drink on Friday, you write on a piece of paper, tomorrow night, three glasses of wine between six and nine, red, you know, Cabernet, whatever it is. Okay. So I, most people don't do that. <laughs> they just think like, well, the plan is in my head to do it, but we're doing that like within too close of the window to when the time that we're drinking and it's not as effective. You got to do it 24 hours in advance and then you honor your commitment and then do the same thing if you don't want to drink right? So like as we move forward past this four days, if you only want to drink once on the weekend, you need to make a plan on paper, no drinks Monday, no drinks Tuesday, no drinks Wednesday, and you write that down. When you write things down on paper, it tells your brain that you're serious. It gets that idea out of your brain onto paper, and your brain's just like a computer. It processes that. It gets it out. It reads it on paper. And it's like, okay, now this is real. Now I'm going to go to work for you and accomplish this. Also, this is a really good question. I plan to writing out my drinks, but amplifying urge gets the better of me. Really good point. So thank you for saying that. What I want to recommend to you is if even if you plan ahead and you write out your drinks 24 hours in advance, but none of you guys are doing this in this four days, okay? <laughs> We've already committed what we're doing here in this four days, no drinks. Going forward after that though, if you've made your plan 24 hours in, in advance on paper, you're, and then it comes to the time where you said you were going to drink and you've, you're feeling stressed or you're feeling anxious. Or you're like <gasps> thinking about drinking all day long. No drinks. I know that sucks, right? But you can't, you're still feeding into the urges if you're still drinking from that place. What I recommend you do 
is go back and process those urges. Like what I just, when I first started talking today on the live, get yourself into a more neutral place, process those feelings and urges until it's just like the edge is gone. You, you could take it or leave it and then have your planned drinks. And if you can't get to that place, don't drink. It's not going to help you. What if we desire to get drunk three margaritas between 5 and 6.30 p.m.? Good question, Elaine. Why do you want to get drunk? That's the bigger question. What do you think the alcohol is going to help you do to, like, there's some reason that you're thinking about alcohol that's going to solve some issue for you. If your plan is to get drunk, it's because you're trying to shut off your brain. You're trying to buzz out and numb out. And we just want to un understand why. From a very curious place, not from judgment, but just why do you want to do that? And so answer that question. Okay. I think I covered the biggest, the, the two biggest things um, that I wanted to cover. And now I just want to open it up to your questions. So just use hashtag question. And um, we'll go from there. And I'll try to get to as many as I can in the next half hour for you guys. Okay. Oh, good question. Stacy says, thoughts on non-alcoholic substitutes? It's a really good question. Thank you for answering it or asking it. So I don't recommend um, like wine-free wine or alcohol-free wine or um, no alcohol beer or any of that stuff, especially in the beginning. Now, later, like later down the journey, when you feel like you've got your urges tackled and you know, you're solving some of the underlying reasons why you're drinking in the first place. I think that's fine. But in the beginning, it doesn't do anything for you because this is what happens. Your brain in the moment doesn't really know the difference between it having alcohol or not until it hits your blood system. Okay. So it's still like, Ooh, I want to drink. And then you give it some substitute. It still thinks it's getting a reward. And so you could still keep getting urges for those things, right? And we want to not substitute. We actually want to feel uncomfortable with the urges without substituting with any fake type stuff. Because when you do that and you fully accept and allow those urges to be there and process them, your desire goes down. And when you don't have desire, if you do that a few times over and over, your desire for alcohol is going to go down. And then you don't need any substitutes or alcohol. And that's when you can go out with your friends and your family and be around alcohol and have it in your house. And it's just not a big deal. So I don't recommend the, the, the substitutes at this point, like work on your urges and get through those. And then you don't need any of that stuff. And then once you get your desire down, if you feel like you want to have a, a, an alcohol-free beer or something like that, and it's been planned in advance, I would add that. If you want to drink it, plan it in advance, just like alcohol. And it's the same thing for sugar substitutes. A lot of people ask, well, can I have sugar-free this or sugar-free that or blah, blah, blah. Your brain doesn't know the difference when it first eats. It just knows it's sweet. And so it's going to give you urges, especially if you've not planned ahead for that. It's going to keep delivering you the urges to do those things because it thinks it's getting a reward. All right? So I wouldn't do those things either. Do I have any thoughts on CBD products? I don't really have any thoughts on them, but again, I just wouldn't be trying to substitute any sort of thing outside of yourself. You guys need to learn how to feel your feelings without using things like alcohol or products or substitutes to get through it. Like that, if you really think about why you guys are here, it's because you've been using alcohol to feel something different, to take the edge off, to feel more joy in social situations, to feel more connected to your friends. All of those are emotions. 
And we haven't been taught how to feel our feelings. Okay, like on their own, we think that feelings are problems that need to be getting rid of or taken the edge out or managed. And listen, we're human beings, we come with the whole rainbow of emotions, and we're supposed to have them. <laughs> they're not supposed to be dampened. We're not they're not supposed to be pushed away and ignored or thought of as a problem. They're just different vibrations in your body. And the more that you can learn to feel and accept your feelings, there's you can do anything. Like if you think about fear, right? Like one of the, the biggest emotions that we have to overcome to like take bigger risks in our life, right? Fear blocks us from doing so much. If we can learn how to feel and process fear, there's really nothing we can't do. Anxiety. Right. We think like I used to have chronic anxiety all the time, three kids managing my job full time, all of it I used to think, oh, my God, I have to do it all. I don't know how I'm going to manage it all. If one shoe falls, everything's going to fall apart. Why do I have to do it all? All of those thoughts cause terrible anxiety for me. And then I would drink at the end of the day. First of all, I dropped all of those thoughts about the anxiety. And then when I didn't feel good or I had feelings, I was just like me, I was feeling low or down one day. Instead of thinking there was something wrong with me, I'm like, oh, I'm having a feeling. I'm supposed to have a range of emotions as a human. Nothing has gone wrong here. We're not supposed to be happy all the time. We're not. <laughs> if you look at any situation in your life, there's a rainbow of emotions in relationships, right? Sometimes we're amazingly happy in a relationship. Sometimes we're super pissed off. Look at work. Sometimes it's really fulfilling work that we're doing. Sometimes it's really stressful. Right? Look at our relationship with alcohol. Sometimes it's really amazing. Sometimes it's terrible. We have a rainbow of emotions in every area of our life. And the more you can, when you're in the feelings, accept them and breathe them and process them and stop judging them and stop thinking that they're a problem and you can breathe and process them and you have that skill in you, they're just not a problem. We're not, we stop looking for things to make ourselves feel better, like food and alcohol. I'm looking to spend the next weekend with somebody who not only loves to drink, but pushes drinks on others. How do I handle that? Can I have a club soda with lime and tell her it's vodka soda? Is it okay to fake it? Good question, Marianne. And I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> have the same question. So thank you. And I would just say, this is what I think about it. It's like coming out. Okay. So like if, if you're gay and you weren't telling people, and imagine what that would feel like to not be who you are and you're not telling people how you feel or what's going on with you. You just feel like kind of inauthentic and like you're lying. Okay. That's the same thing with like not telling people that you're trying to cut back on alcohol. There's no shame in saying you don't want to drink. Like seriously, we, it's like alcohol is the only drug we have to explain that we have to, that why we're not taking it. Alcohol causes more deaths than all drugs, all illegal drugs combined per year. And for some reason, our society has taught us that we need to justify not drinking it. Isn't that crazy? So I don't, I mean, you get to decide what you want to do. When I was doing this work for myself, I just told everybody that I was cutting back. And I wasn't ashamed of it. It was no secret that I drank a lot. <laughs> Like I was always the one leading the charge and like, let's party, let's drink all the time. I was like one more all the time. I had people over for wine tastings at my house. My husband and I got married in a winery. Like we used to go to Vegas all the time. Listen, it was a huge part of my life. And all of my friends, most of you guys here, if you're heavy drinkers, have friends that also heavy drink and family members that heavily drink. Okay. 
promise they all probably wish they didn't drink so much. And what I found was just being like, hey guys, I'd love to hang out. I want to have fun. I want to hang out with you, but I'm not drinking tonight. And then just let them have their own thoughts about it. Let them ask you questions. Just be honest. Be like, I'm trying to come back. I drink too much. I don't feel good. I'm working on it. No shame at all. And nobody's going to judge you for that, I promise. You guys, so if I skipped over your questions, just ask them again. Because I can't scroll and look at your questions. So if I miss a question, then just type it in again. Thank you, Susie. <laughs> Amy Newman says it's so therapeutic to tell everyone, right? Like it feels good to just be like, no, I'm not doing it. Doesn't mean I, this is what I tell people. Okay. I don't have to tell people anymore because they all know, but it's just like at the beginning and they'd be like, come on, have a drink. One drink isn't going to hurt you. I'm like, you guys, I don't want to drink tonight. I love you. You have drinks. Seriously. I don't care if you guys drink please have your drinks. It really doesn't bother me. I'm very happy right now, not drinking. Seriously, it's not a big deal. Anyway, tell me about your work. Like, and then I would just switch the subject and then they would be fine. It's their thoughts that they need to work on, not yours. Kelly says, you wouldn't even recommend a seltzer water with a splash of lime. No, I think that's fine. I'm talking about like alcohol-free wine and alcohol-free beer or substitutes. That's what I'm talking about. I don't recommend. Jennifer says, where can one find time between a 70-hour work week, running a family, and distant learning to give time for yourself? You just have to make time for yourself, Jennifer. So, I mean, you have to make yourself a priority. If you don't, then this isn't going to be a priority for you to work on. So, where, where can you cut out? I mean, so what it looks like for me is I wake up at like between 5 and 5.30 every day because that is my time to do the journaling, to do my self-development, to manage my mind and to check in with myself. And if I don't do that, then my day just does, just feels off and weird and I don't get the things done that I wanna do. So you just need to make sure that you make yourself a priority and look at some of the things that you can drop. Where can you fit in 15 to 30 minutes in your day to do this for yourself? You know, do you not watch TV at night? Do you not scroll on Facebook at the end of the day? I'm sure you can find 15 to 30 minutes. That's really all it takes to do this. It really doesn't need to take any much longer, but you just need to make sure that you put that, you put yourself on the top of the priority list. When you are healthy and your mind is healthy, everybody around you will benefit from that. Your work will benefit, your kids will benefit, your relationships will benefit, okay? When you're stressed and overwhelmed and drinking all the time, they get the shitty part of you, right? Like that's no fun for anybody else either. So if that helps you think about it differently, that they get to benefit when you put yourself at the top of the list, then maybe try that because it's, it's true. My, my, I'm a better mom for my kids because I make myself a priority. I'm trying to read all your comments, guys. You guys are rolling. <laughs> hey, Lori. After you stopped over drinking and started processing your feelings, how often do you find yourself drinking now? I don't drink at all anymore. So my journey looked like this. I started working with a life coach at the beginning, teaching me the same concepts that I'm teaching you now. I took like a 90 day break from alcohol because I also wanted to lose weight. And I was very committed to that because I'd been on every single diet in my whole life, like every diet that you can imagine I had tried and it never worked. And so I went all in on one last time losing weight and stopping over drinking. So I decided to give myself a break until I got to my goal weight. And that was about 90 days. 
And then I did what I recommend that you guys do. I plan my drinks 24 hours in advance. I think about my long-term goals, how much I wanted to drink. And I did that for a good three months. And by the end of that time, I just had no desire for it. I had really reduced my desire for alcohol. One glass of wine made me feel way too buzzed. I didn't like it anymore. I didn't like the taste. My whole experience with it changed. And I just decided it didn't have any room for, for in my life. It added nothing to my life anymore. Since I wasn't using it to feel better, I wasn't using it to manage my feelings. I literally lost the need for it. And so now I don't drink. Okay, so we had a question about processing urges once it's in, you've had a couple drinks in your blood system. It's a good question. It's the same thing. It's the same process. You just need to be super aware. So like planning more than two or three drinks, it's gonna be harder. If you're planning on drinking six drinks, <laughs> you know, like your cognitive ability is gonna be a lot lower. So just know that it's gonna take a little bit of effort. So maybe you need to like go sit in the bathroom with a glass of water and just check in with yourself and just remember your commitment to yourself. But it just takes practice. A lot of this part, a lot of part, a lot, <laughs> a part of this too, you guys, is being willing to fail. Like trying what I'm telling you to try and then failing and then evaluating what went wrong. Like what could you do differently next time? And then also what went right. So if you guys do fail during this challenge or anytime in the future, if you say you've planned your drinks out, and you didn't stick to your two drinks that you plan on drinking for. As soon as you can, the next day you want to do an evaluation. What worked? So you had a plan. What went well? Like you, you know, maybe you did some journaling. You had a plan. Really highlight and and um, acknowledge what went well, and then what didn't work. Right. So like you had your two drinks. What were the thoughts in your head after you had that second drink? Oh, screw it. It doesn't matter. You want to identify those thoughts. Okay. What feelings weren't you able, weren't you willing to be with? The desire for more, the urges, boredom, feeling less connected, right? You just answer those questions. And then what would you do differently next time? If you were to repeat the scenario again, what would you do differently? And then write that out. And then you move on. You don't beat yourself up over it. But honestly, really hear me on this. You have so much growth in the failures that you have. Don't just beat yourself up and like tell yourself you're an asshole and you can't do it. You can, but we don't talk, we gotta stop the language, that tape that goes in your head that says all those negative things to yourself. It doesn't help you change. And I think if you guys really looked at your histories with it all, you know that being hard on yourself only makes you drink more. So try this. Try to be open and do the evaluation and think about a failure as a learning opportunity. What can I learn from this? It's like leaving money on the table if you don't take the time to evaluate that. That is where most of the growth happens. It's because if you don't put yourself in the situation to have a failure, you, it's almost like, it's like why I recommend you um, don't just hide and stay away from your friends. Like you go put yourself in the situations that are challenging because if you fail, at least you have some something to work with and you can understand a little bit more about your own thoughts and feelings that you wouldn't have been able to figure out if you just kept yourself locked at home by yourself all the time. Okay. I hope that helps. And Teresa, you said you failed so many times. Listen, I did this for 20 years. I failed a lot too. It doesn't mean you can't do it. You want to look towards your future 
and stop looking at your past for evidence of your capability of doing this. Okay, your past experiences do not belong in the present or the future. They just don't. <laughs> just because you failed before doesn't mean that you can't do it. Like really think about learning how to ride a bike. I wrote about this in the email. You had to fall on the bike a million times and you know make mistakes before you learned how to do it, right? This is the process of learning something new. Be open for it to take as long as it takes. You're here. You're not giving up on yourself. You're committed to figuring it out. It's just a matter of time. Seriously, start thinking that way. This is just a matter of time before I figure this out instead of I failed so many times. Do you guys notice the difference in that? Think about it. I've failed or I'm committed to figuring this out. How do you feel when you think that? Strong, powerful. Versus, I failed so many times in the past. I feel sad and weak when I think that. Our feelings drive our actions. So if you feel sad and weak, and you think about all the times you failed, guess what you're going to do? Guess what those feelings are going to drive you to do? Drink, hide, ruminate, stay stuck. Guess what feeling powerful does? It drives you to move forward to make your drink plans, to honor your commitments, to show up and to try new things. You guys see the difference? Yeah. Got to look at how you're thinking in there. <laughs> this is self-love, Lisa. Lisa says, I'm committed to figuring this out. That is the best feeling ever, right? Like knowing that you can do this, you're not giving up on yourself. Come on. Nobody's giving up here. Never. Like I would like, even if it takes you for the rest of your life, at least you're trying, right? We're not failing is only if you're like, fuck it, I'm done forever. And you roll over and you just decide to drink your life away. Right. So nobody's doing that here. Yeah. So you guys, a lot of you are um, talking about boredom. Boredom is also a feeling. So when you say I'm bored, like that's a feeling that you have in your body, right? And no, like boredom is probably next to anxiety, probably the second one, second um, highest one that people can't tolerate. Um, Amanda, there's a podcast. I think I may have put it in your workbook this week. I can't remember, but there's a um, podcast called Intolerable Emotions. You guys should listen to that one. It talks about boredom and some of the other ones that we just don't like. And so when we're, when we're bored, we're driven, it, it drives us to get out of that boredom, right? It drives us to go walk over the wine cabinet, drives us to go get a snack, to watch TV, to scroll on Facebook, right? That's what boredom does. But if you really think about it, boredom is a feeling, it's a vibration in your body and it can't hurt you. There's no problem with it, <laughs> right? It might feel a little uncomfortable, like a little edginess or something. But if you breathe and process and allow that boredom, Boredom is actually can be amazing if you actually let yourself feel bored. That's where we get creativity and new ideas to do things when we allow ourselves to be bored a little bit. Ooh, should we put the money we're saving from not buying wine and savings? Yeah. Yeah, think of this is what I do with my goals. I think ahead to the goal when I want to accomplish it. And I think about what I'll feel like at that end of that goal. So like Say I was going to stop over drinking. I wanted to feel like accomplished or proud. Okay. And then I would like get to enjoy that feeling. What does accomplished and, and proud feel like? Right. And like kind of like describe how it would feel in my body. 
And then I'll be like, ooh, what do I, what do I want to do for myself when I reach that goal? And then like have an award waiting for you, for you to get when you accomplish your goal. Okay. So maybe if you, you know, went alcohol free for whatever, you reduced your over drinking, you met your goals, excuse me. And you'd really want to celebrate something big. Like maybe you'd want to go on a vacation or you want to go shopping or something like that, right? Some like really fun award. Like maybe you um, buy a new iPhone. I don't know, right? Think about how awesome it would feel to like get the thing that you wanted and like what you would feel like excited, amazing. What would it feel like to get that thing? Right. And then we want to just sort of like start feeling those feelings now that will drive the actions of not drinking on the way there. So I'd like to visualize the prize and really look at it in the future, what it looks like, and then feel now what I get to feel when I get it then, because that's the feeling that's going to drive you to take all the actions to get there. Hey, Kelly, so motivated by your accomplishment and not feeling like you want to drink anymore. I have no desire to drink. Whenever something goes happens in my life or something goes wrong, this pandemic, anything, not once did I think about alcohol. I just got used, really used to managing my emotions and feeling them and processing them, getting coached, coaching myself, using all of my tools and resources, journaling, exercising, and supporting myself in the best way emotionally possible. And now I just, I just, I just, it's like not even on the plan, not even on the table for me as a solution. Oh, the um, Lauren, the three things the brain uses for spur of the moment decision from memory. So it's um, the motivational triad, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain and saving energy. Yeah, so if you guys, um, Bonnie says, I had to go cold turkey due to medical reasons, drink for 15 years, results normal now, but still urges. Yeah, so a lot of people find that. So like a lot of people will go a long time without drinking and they still have the urges. And it's because they haven't really done the process of processing and allowing that desire to be there. They're used to avoiding it, avoiding the situations or white knuckling through it. But if you can open yourself to allow those urges and process them through, then you can reduce your desire for it. It's a really good question. Hey, if you liked this recording and want to take this work to the next level, I highly encourage you to apply me in the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living program. Applications are currently open, so all you have to do is click the link in the podcast notes and go over to the site. There's three short videos to watch there. The problem, the solution, and the details of my program. Watch all three short videos, read through that site, and click apply to join me. There's no obligation to get your application in, but we are filling up for the rest of 2020 right now. And I'm about to raise my prices for 2021. So if you've been on the fence about this and you have been inspired and want to take this work to the next level, now is your chance, my friends. So get over there, click the link in the show notes and apply to join me and stop over drinking and start living. See you there.